can be seated. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 11. Today I want to talk to you about a question of authority, a question of authority. At some point in our lives, uh, we all struggle with authority. It's just human nature. It's part of it. Uh, my oldest, my youngest daughter, uh, yesterday she asked my oldest daughter to play with her, and my oldest daughter is kind of at that age that she doesn't necessarily enjoy that, and so she reluctantly agreed and asked her, okay, what are we playing? And my youngest daughter said, okay, we're going to play. I'm the queen, and you're the slave, and you do everything I tell you. <laughs> at which point, my, young, my oldest daughter said, I'm not playing. I'm done. Uh, we all have our line, and uh, every now and again, somebody will cross that line, an authority, a person, a teacher, will cross that line, and all of us will be tempted in that moment to buck up and push back against the tyrant. Uh, right now in Canada, uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people have descended upon the capital city there, and they're uh, protesting government mandates, uh, and uh, they have done several things to try and encourage the Canadian government to lift all of the COVID restrictions. And so it's taken them two years because it's been crazy in Canada. Uh, the worst it's been in the U.S. isn't anything compared to what they've been doing in Canada as far as restrictions and stuff go. And so it's taken them two years because what, from what I understand, Canadians are pretty chill people, so it took, takes them a while to get to that place. Uh, but the, there they are, you know, and, and they've descended upon the Capitol saying enough's enough. Now, in America, we have a little bit more of an independent spirit, and so many of you are not going to take any of that. And so if the government were to restrict you from drinking toilet water, some of you would acquire a taste for that. would be like, scoot over, dog. Nobody's going to tell me. That's part of it, um, and we all have that in us. Now, uh, because of that, there is a component of our faith that is challenged because the truth of the matter is, as we're studying the Gospels, we're seeing that Jesus has a tendency to cross sacred lines and put people in a position in which they are encouraged or tempted to say to Jesus, who do you think you are? We see it over and over and over in the Gospels. Jesus went to his hometown. You remember this story. He preached the sermon. He unrolled the scroll from Isaiah and uh, basically pronounced the year of the Lord, had come upon them. You know, he's, he's reading this passage about how uh, this king is going to come and set everything right. And Jesus rolls the scroll back up and he says, uh, the uh, fulfillment of this has taken place in your hearing. In other words, I am that king. And all these people he grew up with, you know, uh, his classmates, his buddies from high school, people he worked a part-time job with, they're all looking at Jesus like, who do, you think, who do you think that you are saying these things? Who gives you the authority? What makes you think you're the king? And then there's another story of Jesus. He's in the synagogue, and there's this man's got a shriveled hand, and all the religious people are there. And uh, the religious people, they say you can't heal on the Sabbath day because that, that looks like work, and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So they're watching Jesus closely, and he picks up on all that energy, and he, he tells the uh, man with the shriveled hand, he says, stand up. He says, is it good to do good or evil? Is it, is it godly to do good or evil on the Sabbath, to give life or, or to kill it? He says, I, basically, he says, I think your traditions are stupid. And he has that man stretch out his hand, and, and the hand is immediately restored. And Jesus is always pushing the envelope. You know how the, the religious leaders responded to that? They, they, tried to, they started plotting to kill Jesus. And that's kind of how we are. You know, Jesus is going to cross these lines in our life and, and oftentimes put us in our place, and it's going to be our tendency to push back against him. Most recently, we read that Jesus rolls into the capital city of Jerusalem, and he rides into town like a king. People are celebrating him, 
And uh, he goes to, as the king, he's coronated. Uh, the people received him as king. And he goes not to the palace. Where does he go? He goes to the temple. Now, uh, I don't want to get too much into this, but the reason that Jesus coronated as the king goes in the temple and not the palace because Jesus understands something that many of us have forgotten. That worship is at the heart of everything. Worship is at the heart of everything. And so if your worship is wrong, then your life is going to be wrong. And so Jesus has set himself up. He's pronounced himself as the king. He doesn't go to the palace. He goes to the temple to leave from the temple because he understands if it's not right in the temple, it's not going to be right in the world. If it's not right in the church, it's not going to be right in the world. And so he's, he's setting up his kingdom in just such a way because he wants this kingdom to advance across the whole world. And, and so he's going to set up, he's going to get right first what's going on in the temple. And he clears out. There's all sorts of corruption and injustice. He clears it all out. And so that happens on Monday. We are at Tuesday of Jesus' last week of life. Mark chapter 11, let's all stand together. Verse 27. They came again to Jerusalem as he was walking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came and asked him, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was John's baptism from heaven or of human origin? Answer me. They discussed it among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they were afraid of the crowd because everyone thought that John was truly a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Today, I hope that you will see that Christ's authority is unquestionable and that ultimately it is foolish to question his authority. And in light of that, we as Christians should carry ourselves in a certain way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all my friends that have gathered here today. Thank you for everybody that's watching online. We bow our heads, we close our eyes, we open your word because, Lord, we respect you, we honor you as our king, and we long for more of you. Lord, we, we know that only you have the words of life. And so, Lord, we, we come today expecting to hear your words. Lord, please speak to us in a way that's undeniable, that's unquestionable, and may we, Lord, submit to your authority. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, take a moment and pray for those around you. Say a prayer for all those that may be watching online. And pray for yourself. Father, speak to us. We're ready to hear what you have to say. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, Mark eleven twenty seven. They came again to Jerusalem. Jesus spent the night in Bethany. He's coming back to Jerusalem. Day before this, he had cleared out the temple. And now we see him back in the temple. It says he, he was walking around the temple. He was walking in the temple. Now, what is um, it's easy to just kind of just brush over this as you're reading. I think oftentimes we read the Bible too fast. Um, but this sticks out to me, and I want to point this to you. Um, so on Monday, he clears out all of the money changers, all of the merchants. On Tuesday, none of them come back to the temple. They stay away. This is the most lucrative week of their year. This is, you know, uh, Black Friday is the day that all of the retail businesses, they go from the red, they're not making money, to the black. This is that week for them. 
and Jesus kicks them out of the temple the day before, and they stay away. They don't come back. You know what that tells me? Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority. Here is true authority. When you speak and people listen. Here's a way you can test your authority. This is, this is how you know how much authority you have. Tell your kids to do something and see how long they listen. <laughs> right? Jesus told the money changers, get out and stay out. He told the merchants, get out and stay out, and they listened. That's authority. Jesus had authority. Mark chapter 1, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. A demon-possessed man was there, and he started yelling in the middle of Jesus' sermon, which is almost as distracting as when your cell phone goes off during a sermon. Almost as distracting. And so Jesus, uh, he, he tells the demon, he yells at the demon, he says, shut up and get out. At which point, the demon leaves. The demon does exactly what Jesus says. Look at this, Mark chapter 1, verse 27. They were all amazed. And so they began to ask each other, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. There was another time Jesus was teaching in a crowded house. It was so crowded, nobody could get to him. Well, there was this these, uh, group of friends, and they had uh, one of their buddies was paralyzed. And so they climbed up on the roof. You remember this story? And they ripped the roof off of this place so that they could lower this paralyzed man at the feet of Jesus and heal him. Well, Jesus saw their faith, and the Bible says, Jesus says to them, seeing their faith, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. At which point, the religious people there in the room, they, they say, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Mark chapter 2, verse 10 But so that you may know, Jesus says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus had authority. He had authority. He rebuked the wind and the waves. And what did they do? They obeyed. Jesus called out to the dead man. He said, get back up, and Lazarus came up out of the tomb. Jesus had authority. In John chapter 10, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's a good shepherd, and the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Look what Jesus says, John 10, 18. No one takes it for me. Nobody can take my life, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus even had authority over life and death. So Jesus asserted authority in the temple. And now he's walking around the place like a boss. This is king energy. He's walking around in his courtyard. It's completely empty and peaceful. The day before, it was a den of thieves. There's all sorts of corruption and chaos going on. But today, it's a house of prayer. And Jesus is walking around with his ambassadors, and they're having a conversation. He's teaching them. But suddenly, suddenly a delegation emerges from one of the corridors in the temple. And it's the chief priest, the scribes, and the elders. Now, these three groups of men make up what's known as the Sanhedrin. And this is the ruling class of the Jewish society. Now, Jewish people, uh, they were under Roman oppression, but they did not respect Rome. They hated Rome. In their mind, Rome had no authority over them. They were just being uh, persecuted and being oppressed. Uh, But they respected the Jewish authority. They respected the Sanhedrin. Everything the Sanhedrin, everything this group of people said, they would listen to, they would follow, they would do. And so these are uh, the the highest ranking, the highest uh, 
respected authority in Jewish society. The, the chief priest, the scribes, and the Pharisees. Just to kind of put it in context, it would be like for us, like the president, uh, the constitutional lawyers, and the heads of state, okay? And, and they are all, they've all joined together, and they are making a beeline at Jesus, and they got a bone to pick. They're going to have a word with Jesus. Verse 28, they ask him, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? In other words, they're saying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are riding into town like a king? We saw what you did. You set yourself up. You made yourself look like a king. Everybody's hailing you as a king. You didn't stop them. You didn't shut them. Who do you think you are? Who gives you, what gives you the right to upset our marketplace, to upset our way of doing things? We've been doing it like this for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Who gives you the right to do that? Who gave you permission to walk around our temple teaching? Who do you think? By what authority are you doing these things? Because in their mind, they had the credentials. They had the pedigree. They had the education. They could trace their lineage all the way back to Moses and Aaron. They could, they could uh, point to all the most prestigious schools. They had all sorts of letters behind their name, all sorts of letters in front of them. They had all the education. The people respected them. They had the titles. They had the position. They had the privilege. And they look at Jesus and they say, who do, who do you think you are? You're from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Aren't you just the carpenter's son? Do you, do you even have a diploma? Do you even have a GED? What, what makes you think that you have the right or the privilege or the authority to do these things? You have no right to be here. You have no authority in this place. Back up and get out. So here's the question. Did Jesus have authority in the temple? For thousands of years, this group of people, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, they had been ordained by God, appointed by God, to rule over this temple for thousands of years. And so Jesus comes in and he throws everybody out. He upsets the apple cart. He turns it on his head. He's going a different direction. Does he really have authority or is he trespassing on their territory? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. These are some of Jesus's last words before he ascends to the Father in heaven. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. This is going to blow you away. But do you know what all stands for in the Greek? Do you know what it means in the Greek? All. All authority. Where? In heaven and on earth. All authority. You remember in The Lion King when Mufasa and Simba are on Pride Rock? And they're having this conversation, and, and, and Mufasa says, Simba, one day you'll rule, rule all these lands, everywhere the light touches. You remember this? And, and, and Simba's like, oh, that's cool, but what about, there's that shadowy place over there. What about there? And Mufasa says, everywhere but there. You can't go there. Uh, in Jesus' kingdom, there are no shadowy places. He is, there is no square inch of the cosmos in which Jesus does not declare, this is mine. Every bit of it. Jesus has authority over the temple. Jesus has authority over the church. And, don't miss this, Jesus has authority over the boardroom, over the classroom, over the newsroom. Jesus has authority over the courthouse, over the penthouse, over the jailhouse, over the White House, and over your house. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. 
Jesus Christ is over all. He has authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. The Bible says everything is being brought in submission under his feet. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And this is what we say to that. We all say yes and amen, right? We all say yes and amen. Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Why don't you live like you believe that? We walk around Monday through Saturday, and we experience life. And sometimes in life, you're going to bang your head up against the wall. Sometimes in life, you're going to come up against these situations and these problems, and you're going to feel like there is nothing you can do. And some of you are going to be tempted to be overwhelmed. Some of you are going to be tempted to fall into despair. Why? Jesus Christ is Lord, even of that thing. Jesus Christ has authority even of that thing. And Jesus Christ is a king who lays his life down for his sheep. He's got good intentions for you. And so you don't have to live in despair. You don't have to be overwhelmed. You know who's in charge. He still sits on the throne and he is still good. Amen? On top of that, amen, give God a hand clap. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says that Jesus spoke as one who had authority. That was one of the things that blew everybody away when they encountered Jesus. He spoke with authority. Well, if Jesus spoke with authority, why don't you speak with authority on Jesus's behalf in Jesus's name? We've bought the propaganda of a separation between church and state. We have. In a couple weeks, I'll explain to you how that is a fallacy. That's not even true. We have believed the lie that you aren't supposed to talk about politics or religion. We believe that lie. And we've accepted the idea that sexually deviant people can publicly celebrate their perversion, but it's not cool for Christians to openly talk about Jesus. We're living in an upside-down world. It should not be this way. And that, because we, have, because we have capitulated, because we have bowed down to all these cultural norms that go against what the Scriptures teach us, the church and Christians have lost all authority. Because we've got a bunch of preachers out there who have no backbone to say what the Bible says, and they're always apologizing for the things that Jesus stood for, Because of that, we've got churches that were mainline churches. And 50 years ago, you go down to Main Street, 50 years ago, these churches would have been packed. You would have a hard time finding a parking place. Today, they're empty. They're empty. Why? Because what do they stand for? What do they stand for? They have no authority. They don't preach with authority. And the people in the pews don't preach with any authority. They don't stand for anything. We've lost our influence because we've stopped believing that Jesus Christ has all authority. And we've stopped demanding that every sphere submit to his authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, all authority. In other words, I have the right to rule and reign over everyone and every place and everything. That's verse 18. Verse 19, Jesus says what we're supposed to do with that. Verse 19, you know this verse. Therefore, because all authority has been given to me, therefore go and be quiet about it. Is that what it says? Therefore, go and take cues from the world so that you can be more culturally relevant. Is that what it says? 
Therefore, go and don't offend anybody by talking about those taboo things, those, those culturally inappropriate, those politically incorrect things. Don't talk about that. And definitely don't speak on those things with any authority of the Scriptures. Don't do that. Is that what it says? It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, because all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go and make disciples. This is what Jesus says. I'm the king of all creation. I want my kingdom to cover the earth. And this is how I want you to do it. I want you to conquer the world. How are you going to conquer the world? We conquer the nations by converting the nations. We conquer the nations. It's not a sword. It's not a sword. It's not a physical sword. It's the sword of the spirit that cuts to the heart and the soul of every person. Now listen, this is how you have, this is evangelism. That's our weapon. That's our strategy is evangelism. That's how we're going to make the world, the kingdom of heaven. Lord, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's how it's going to happen. We got to be evangelists. But let me tell you what evangelism is. Evangelism is going to every tribe and tongue and nation, every people group, even the people groups that you're not supposed to talk to, that you're not supposed to talk about, that you're not supposed to question all these sacred people, protected classes. You go even to them and you tell them you're wrong. That's where evangelism starts, isn't it? It's, you're going to people and you're saying, your worldview is messed up. I know you're sincere, but you're sincerely wrong. I know you believe what you believe, but listen, what you believe is going to send you to hell. I know you think what you're doing is right, but as good as it feels, as normal as it feels, the destination isn't what you think it is. And so submit to Christ, confess your sins, believe on Christ, walk in newness of life, and then, and then you will receive the kingdom of heaven. That's evangelism. We go into the sacred space. These places that they've protected, it's their own temple, and we got to turn over their tables. We got to upset the apple cart, and we got to challenge them and say, Listen, I know you think you're in charge, but you're not in charge. Submit to the authority of Christ and live. Now, some of you are thinking, because I know this makes you feel uncomfortable. You're thinking, Who am I to tell them how they should live? You are a royal ambassador of the King of Glory. That's who you are. You have been given a mandate from the Lord of all creation. And he has given you, as your weapon of war, he has given you the words of life. It's the words of life. And so you are the bringer of good news that delivers people from death to life. Listen, making people feel uncomfortable, challenging, challenging their sacred cows, crossing those sacred lines. It is not to offend them. It is not to hurt them. It is to save them. It's not to do destruction to them. It is to do good for them. And so when people, when they confront you asking, who do you think you are to say these kind of things to me? You tell them that you come in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You tell them that you have been given authority from the King of glory. Now, people don't like when we talk like this because contemporary Christianity has programmed us to think that the only, the only thing that we're supposed to do as Christians is kind people into the kingdom. We're going to be so nice and so kind that they'll have no choice to submit to Jesus Christ as king. Now, listen to me. Kindness is important. 
But kindness by itself is not enough. It's not enough. How will demonically deceived people ever find God unless someone goes into their sacred space and tump over their their tables and say, God is not found here? How else will they see? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it is his kindness that brings people to repentance. It's both of those things. It's coming in with the authority of Christ, but also coming in with the grace and the mercy and the love of Christ. It's coming in with the truth of Christ. It's also coming in with the love of Christ. It's both of those things. They must see the errors of their way before they will long for the grace and mercy of God. And so the religious leaders, they ask Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? Now, the way Jesus answers is a valuable lesson for us as we go out into the world trying to be his real ambassadors, as we go out in the world trying to be evangelists. Look at this. Verse 29, Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Now, that word question there in the Greek is logos. It means word. So literally, this is what Jesus is saying. I will ask you one word, one word. Remember that. We'll come back to it. Then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus is not quick to justify his actions. His first response isn't to say, well, 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 you know, I did this because of this. And this is why, and this is what I thought. He doesn't do any of that. Why? Jesus once said, don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll not value it, and it'll simply be trampled. That's what Jesus said. I've heard it said, someone wise once told me, it's, it's, um, it's pointless to wrestle with pigs because you'll get all muddy and they'll enjoy it. It's pointless. So Jesus isn't dodging a question. Instead, Jesus is testing their sincerity. He is interrogating those who came to interrogate him. And so as an ambassador of Christ, I want, you to remind, I want to remind you today, you don't owe an explanation to anyone for what you believe. You don't need anyone's approval for where you stand. It is simply enough that you come in the name of the Lord Jesus and that you stand on the scriptures. That in itself is enough. Never feel embarrassed about your faith in Christ. Never apologize for your belief in the Bible. Because evangelists, royal ambassadors, listen to me. You are not in judgment. The lost person is. You don't have to give an account to them they will have to give an account to God. Don't let people flip the table on you when you're going out and evangelizing that that you owe them an explanation for where you stand. No, they owe God an explanation for where they stand. Verse 30, was John's baptism from heaven or of human origin? Answer me. He says, I'll ask you one question, one logos, John. That's the question, one word. You answer me, and I'll know that you're serious about seeking the truth. But if you're just wanting to play games, then I don't have time for that. That's what Jesus is saying. You, you answer me sincerely, and we can have a conversation. But, but if this is just going to be you know, some sort of a debate, then I don't have time for that. Now, just to give you some backdrop, this is why this question is so genius. Jesus was genius. John the Baptist was a preacher in Jesus' day. And all of Jerusalem, the Bible says, went out to hear John preach in the desert. And most people considered him to be a prophet from God. And many people were baptized him in the, by, by him in the Jordan River. Now, John 
he preached that his mission was to prepare the way for the coming king who would come and be the savior of the world. And when John saw Jesus for the first time, he said, in front of everybody, he said, behold, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And so John was regarded by everybody in this region to be a true prophet of God. And John, with his own very mouth, professed that Jesus was the son of God and the savior of the world. And so what Jesus says is, okay, given all that information, was John from God, from heaven, or just man-made, human origin? Which one? Verse 31, they discussed it among themselves. Now that word discussed is the Greek word where we get our word dialogue. That's what politicians do, isn't it? It's like they're confronted. You ever watch the, the chief of staff? You ever watch those, uh, uh, those press conferences? And all, all they ask a, a reporter will ask a, a yes or no question, right? It's so plain. And they'll take 15 minutes and use about 500 words to not answer the question, right? That's what politicians do. And so this is what they do. They get together. They have a committee meeting. Jesus asks them a multiple choice question. There's two options. You got 50% chance of getting it right from heaven or human origin. This is not complicated. Give me an answer straight up. And they, they say, well, let's have, let's have a little committee meeting first. And they're going to get political about it. And they say, well, you know, we got, we got to figure out what's the most politically expedient answer here. If we say from heaven, then Jesus will say, well, why didn't you believe what he had to say about me? He said, I'm the son of God and savior of the world. Why don't you believe him? And, it, and if we say of human origin, they say, that, well, well, we might get stoned to death because everybody here believes that John was from God, and they'll take great offense to that. Now, this is how you know as you go out, you're trying to be a royal ambassador for Christ. This is how you know if somebody's sincere. Are they searching for the truth or are they trying to win a debate? I've had so many conversations with people who are trying to evangelize people that they love. And the conversations go, oftentimes they go like this. They say, you know, they asked me about the age of the earth and about evolution and about carbon dating. They asked me about how can, how can a loving God send people to hell. They asked me uh, about uh, all of the contradictions in the Bible. How am I supposed to answer them? You know, how am I supposed to convince these people? So this is a conversation I have with these people. Now, they're a legitimate answers to all those questions, and I'd be glad to talk to you about any of them. But the truth of the matter is, for most people that are raising these type of questions, uh, they aren't looking for answers. They're trying, to, uh, they're trying to win a debate. They're trying to score points because they're not seriously looking for the truth. This is a defense mechanism because at the end of the day, it's not a question of evidence. At the end of the day, when it comes to Christ, it's a question of authority. There's more than enough evidence for every person that you know to submit to Christ as Lord and Savior. There's more than enough evidence. But your loved one, your loved one that keeps throwing up all these accusations and talking about contradictions in the Bible, talking about carbon dating, carbon evolution, and, and they just seem too intellectually mature, too intellectually, you know, uh, sophisticated to believe in an old ancient book like the Bible. Those people, chances are they have a sacred space that they're territorial of. They're trying to protect. And usually that sacred space is dark and corrupt. It's a sin, a secret sin or a guilty pleasure or an unholy addiction. And they know that Jesus wants to claim lordship of that space in their life. 
The Bible says that men love darkness instead of light. And so when the light appeared, they wouldn't step into the light because they were afraid that their darkness would be exposed. That's exactly what's going on when you're trying to evangelize somebody that just wants to have a debate with you. Once the gospel's been preached, all, all these questions, all of these little debates that they're wanting to have, it's a defense mechanism. They are fighting off the authority of Christ in their life. Look at verse 33. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. This is crazy. Jesus was interrogated here by the most educated, the most experienced, the most powerful men in this society. And with, these are the, these are the men that, that self-professed to be the authorities on life and living. These are the guys that everybody in society looked to them and said, these guys have it figured out. And with one word, Jesus forces the establishment to admit we don't know, with one word. Such is the fate of every person who refuses to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says, the fool says in, heart, in his heart that there is no God. Right now, the most prominent atheist voice is a guy named Sam Harris. How many of you are familiar with that name? Sam Harris. He's got millions of followers on YouTube, and he has an app. And, uh, interesting guy. But he looks at us Christians, and he says that we're foolish. We're simple-minded. We're not sophisticated. Um, and and he, he claims that the universe is a cosmic accident, that uh, human beings are uh, just, we're apes, evolved apes, and we, that consciousness is an illusion, that we are all the product of chemical reactions happening in a physical universe. That's all we are. And, uh, but he's acknowledged recently, he's kind of changed his tone. Uh, he says that the, you know, Christianity and all, you know, every religion is evil and stupid. But he says, you know, I've realized that people need meaning in order to survive. And if people don't have meaning, then they'll often do a lot of very self, self-destructive behavior. So he's trying to figure out, okay, where can people get meaning? And he says, don't go to church. Don't pray. Don't read the Bible for meaning. He says, that's all stupid. There's no power there. He says, instead, in your search for meaning, this is what you should do. You should go into a dark room. You should put a blindfold on, and you should eat mushrooms. I'm serious. That's his, that's, he says that's how you'll find meaning because you'll encounter these little green men in the psychedelic realm, and it'll help you to see your, your real place in the universe. This is the wisdom of the world. You see how foolish it is at the end of the day? And they claim of Christians that, you know, we, we are believing in strange things. No, no, no. The, the reverse is true. Young people, don't ever feel simple-minded or ignorant or less than because you believe in God, because you trust in Christ, because you live by the Bible. Many of you, you'll go to school soon, freshman year biology teacher is going to try and convince you that God is not real, the Bible is not trustworthy. They believe we're all a cosmic accident. They believe that we're a skin bag of chemical reactions, that we're a monkey's uncle. But the truth of the matter is, despite all the letters behind their name, despite all the big words that they use, there is a mystery at everyone's back. And they are doing everything they can to answer those mysterious questions in a way in which they will not have to submit to the authority of Christ. Because at the end of the day, it isn't a question of evidence. It's a question of authority. They aren't honestly seeking the truth. They are actively denying Christ. Don't be deceived. You are not a fool. 
They are the fool. They are the fool. And they don't know. They don't know. Look at Jesus' response. He said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Nothing to debate. Nothing to prove. You want to play games. There's nothing more to talk about. Jesus moves on. Here's the sad and scary part of all this. People don't have unlimited opportunities to get right with Jesus. This was Jesus' last day of ministry. And he was willing to spend it unpacking the truths of the cosmos to these very men who have been plotting to kill him for years. He was willing to spend his last day of ministry with these hateful men. But they refused to get off the throne of their life and submit to Jesus Christ as king. They refused. And as a result, as we'll read next week, they were cursed. As a result, Jesus said, okay, I'm done with you. There's a story of a town that didn't properly receive Jesus. And two of his disciples, uh, they said what many of us sometimes feel like when we're watching the evening news. Lord, do you want me to call down fire from heaven on all these people? Jesus says, no, no, let's not do that. Instead, let's just go to the next town. See, the truth of the matter is, Jesus isn't going to debate somebody into submission. He's not going to do that. They had their chance. They had all the info they needed in order to surrender to Christ, but they didn't want to submit. They wanted to be the king of their own life. They wanted to sit on the throne of their own world, and as a result, Jesus moved on. Backslider, hypocrite, person living in secret sin, don't miss your chance. Jesus Christ is king. He is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Quit playing church. Quit holding back. Quit walking in darkness. Surrender completely to the authority of Christ in your life. There is no other name under heaven by which men will be saved, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. God knows. God knows. You don't have to debate with him. Surrender to him. And if you do, he promises life abundantly. He promises peace and purpose. And if you do, if you will surrender, he will change your life, and you will begin to change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I'm sorry that uh, we oftentimes have given all the evidence to believe you and to trust you and to walk in you. And yet, for some reason, Lord, we, we just continue to be so stubborn. We want to do it our own way. Please forgive us. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll continue to be patient with us. And Lord, that you'll give us another chance. Lord, if there's any person in this room who's far from you, who's living in sin, I pray, Lord, that they'll be inspired today to turn it all over to you, to surrender their life completely and fully. Lord, to walk in your ways, to represent you the way you deserve to be represented. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be your ambassadors in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together.